welcome to Tales from the Orca, a film podcast starring T Panda and the BFG. I'm T Panda, and with me, as always, is the BFG himself. Brian, how you doing? Joey, I'm doing fantastic. Uh, we're here. We're here to talk about movies and uh, maybe shoot some shit. So, not in the literal sense. Right. <laughs> not gonna be shooting at shit. <laughs> uh, we just got off a of brunch, so it was it was pretty epic today. I'm not it was lie. nice. Yeah, we had a. Uh, Croquette de Madame or Croc de Madame? Croc, I still Croc, fucked it up. Croc Damn Madame. It. Croc, Croc Madame. Madame. Yeah, it was really good. And uh, shout the, out to the district here in the town. District in downtown Wilmington on Fourth Street. You guys, uh, Wilmington, North we'll, Carolina. We'll do, a, we'll do a guest a guest podcast down there one day. <laughs> yeah, they would love that. I'm sure the old folks <laughs> that were in there would love that. Um, <clears throat> so this is episode seven. And have we done seven and already? We have done seven. That is awesome. And. Um, we're here today to talk about our top five uh, favorite Steven Spielberg films, and that is not including Jaws or Indiana Jones films because we are not including those in the list because we talk about those I in like the previous six episodes. We do, we do. I th- there's been at least five minutes devoted to Jaws, I think, on almost every podcast that we've done. Which is fitting because our podcast is named after Jaws, like it's Jaws reference, but still, right. it might be a little You guys are like, shut up about things. Jaws, we get it. We get it. Jaws is fantastic. <laughs> and if you haven't seen Jaws, go see Jaws. Go see it right now. <laughs> um, yeah, so this week I had a little, uh, we live in a town, and we live, we're both here in Wilmington, North Carolina, and we're kind of a film town. We were a film town, then we were not a film town, and now we're kind of getting a film town kind again. Kind of coming back a little bit. Bringing some stuff back here, and they're doing a Hulu show reprisal in town, and I work at this tattoo shop in town, and they were filming at the diner next door, and they used our tattoo shop as their base for the actors right to uh house house them out of the sun and the heat while they were filming on location and it just so happens that uh apparently the great ron perlman is in this production i saw that picture the other day and i was going to ask you about the context of that yeah so ron That's perlman awesome, and you got to meet ron perlman That's ron cool. perlman was hanging out at the, the couch at the tattoo shop that i work at during the week all day he was asleep for most of the day on the couch <laughs> like just snoozing like don't bother me and, um, yeah, and yeah, Ron Perlman, like Sons of Anarchy, obviously, like well, most well known recently thing that he's done, but you know he's been the he's been the hard ass in like movies for Hellboy. decades. Hellboy, like, man, um, yeah, and awesome actor, like great character actor in uh, tons of roles. Love him in so many things. Quest um, for Fire, I think, was his first movie. Was it really? Way okay. back in the day, yeah, where he played like a Cro Magnon kind of guy. He was in one of the Alien movies, which we talk about those incessantly. He was. On he was here. in Alien Three. Yeah. Um, no, 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 Alien, Alien Resur- Resurrection. Resurrection. Yeah. Resurrection. Yeah, yeah. Um, Blade, the best Blade part Two. Of that. Blade Two. He's in Blade Two. Yes. Yep. Um, he's also in Drive. He plays one of the uh, mobster guys in yeah. Drive. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, good times. Just great in everything he does. And uh, Although all the questions I have for him would be about Linda Hamilton in Beauty and the Beast. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Yeah, that's why I told somebody last night, and they were like, I feel old because the thing I remember him from is Beauty and the Beast. He was in the TV show Beauty and the Beast in the uh, late 80s. Late 80s, early 90s. Which yeah. uh, actually was where George R.R. R. Martin, uh, that's his, one of his well, big writing, writing roles. Credits, was, yeah. He mm-hmm. was the main writer on that. And I think that's where he started writing Game of Thrones while he was working on the show. I think, he, I think he had been like working on it and then like he used some of the money. Yeah, the money that he yeah that to he made from Beauty the, to take time off and, right, and yeah. really write Game of Thrones. Yeah, yeah, because uh, if Beauty and the Beast hadn't have gotten canceled, we might not have had Game of Thrones. Uh, for better or worse, there's no way that Beauty and the Beast would have still stayed on the air. That was a. I, I, it was I hot the first season. Like you were excited I, about it. I don't remember why. I remember it. being on television. It was popular for a minute. I, rem- I yeah. remember that being a big thing. I don't, all I can remember is like the opening credits, and I feel like. 
Linda Hamilton's character is like running through a sewer or something. They go down like this. Yeah, the whole yeah. thing is set underneath. Yeah, it's like, the it's like underground, and, and yeah. yeah, it's just a whole thing. But I, this I, I, could not, I, could, I, I probably collectively seen five minutes of a beauty. I think it was episode. popular until Linda Hamilton left the show, and then she left, and then anymore. it was just yeah, done. And it was okay. it was over with. Right. But um, anyway, I did not ask him about Beauty and the Beast, unfortunately. <laughs> but I he was there all day, and my coworker and I were like, we want to talk to him, like, we don't want to bother him. Right. And then finally, we just saw our window. We're like. Mr. Perlman, we take a picture with us, and he went from like grumpy to like, yeah, I'll take a picture with you guys. That's awesome. Let's man. take a picture. And so we took a picture. He was super nice. I got to tell him I, you know, I appreciate his work, and I really, you know, I'm a big fan. And um, when we did that, one of the other actors came up and was like, "Can I get a picture with him too?" <laughs> <laughs> so it was kind of cool. He's he's a legend, like, and just totally random. And I got a great picture of him as my Facebook profile yeah. picture, which yeah, yeah. I, I put it up I saw, without I any context. So I was like, and I was like, I was like, what? Yeah, I figured I'd save it for the podcast. So. Yeah. That's cool. Ron Perlman was cool. And, uh, you know, sometimes you meet people and they let you down. He was mm-hmm. very nice. And, um, you know, I can't, I like, I'm excited to see that show. Apparently he's not in it very much. I think right. he's a guest star on it. But uh, a friend of mine's doing the location scouting for awesome. that. And so awesome. he kind of gave me some inside information on it. Yeah, I was really excited. We had Swamp Thing on the air for a little while there. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, and now it's canceled. Yeah, the new Swamp Thing show, which is supposed to be fantastic. I've, I've seen the seen first three it, episodes and they're amazing. Yeah, I heard it's really great based on the Alan Moore run of Swamp Thing mm-hmm. and like just in my wheelhouse. But uh, DC has already canceled it. They, so. I'm telling you right now, there's a scene in the first episode of Swamp Thing and I'm not ruining anything right now. But it is some of the most grotesque body horror <laughs> I've ever seen put to film. That's great. It's unreal. Well, so if, if you, you want to hash out, well, like once once Swamp Things made its run, this is what I would suggest: uh, sign up for the free seven week or seven day trial, and just binge, and then it, just all. binge yeah. it all. Just, just binge it all. Just binge it all. Because then- there's nothing else. There's nothing else I would really watch on the DC universe. Yeah, uh, apparently some talk that HBO wants to pick the show up, but I don't know if they'll do it. Yeah, who it knows? Like a lot that they would who have knows? to. Um, I look though like any any Vertigo property. I feel like uh, could be could be sold right now, yeah. and, and that and that'd be a hot that'd be a hot commodity. I don't know if HBO wants to break into that comic book game though. They're getting into yeah. Watchmen, but we'll see how that goes. They had Preacher in production at That's right. HBO for That's years, right. and they never did it, and finally went to AMC. So, and I think they're. Are they finished with that on AMC? It's or one they, more season, one I think. More? Okay. I watched the first season and kind of fell off of it. Yeah, I, I didn't really like it. It's not my favorite comic book in the it's world. Not, it's like not it money. Okay. It's like everybody holds it up as the greatest thing ever, and I'm like, eh, it's yeah, all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not wild about it. Yeah. All right. Um, Brian, do you watch anything this week you need to bring up? Yeah, yeah. I saw, saw a few things. I saw um, the new Dark Phoenix, which was uh, hot, hot garbage. Yeah, I'm avoiding it. Uh, I don't know if I'll ever watch it. And then you probably don't. I don't. wanted to bring this up on the podcast because I feel like this isn't... I, I don't know if I'm making this up, but X3 was the first telling of Dark Phoenix. The the first live action telling. The first live action telling. Right, right, Obviously, right. the greatest version of it is the 90s cartoon. The 90s cartoon, which is like, absolutely fantastic. Go watch that. Yes. But the first film adaptation of it was X3. Right. Uh, the Last Stand or whatever. Last Stand, yeah. And they worked it in. Of course, they did what they always do. They threw it in with a bunch of other storylines that didn't need to be in there. No, all they needed to do was singularly focus on the Dark, Dark Phoenix. Because it's the greatest X-Men storyline of all time. Hands right? down. Hands down. A lot of people would maybe argue about that, but I think in general people think that that's the greatest X-Men storyline of all time. Well, 
they did such a bad job on it that they screwed it up that I feel like the rest of this whole like you know the rest of the X-Men movies had to do with changing time to rewrite time to redo I feel like all of that time changing shit which I know some of that comes from the comics and everything Days of Future Past and stuff like right, that right. I feel like narratively they did all that so they could get back so they could tell the Dark Phoenix story properly yes and then they fucked it up again they, they how f- did you do it twice they fucked it up even worse than the first time I heard that they brought one of the writers from X3 back to write on this one. I, I why I, would you that, do that? If that's true, then you're an idiot. Yeah. But the thing, the thing that really bothered me the most about this movie is, okay, like granted, Brian Singer directed uh, Days of Future Past yeah. and Apocalypse, uh-huh. I think, but he didn't direct this one because you know the whole like he touches little kids and stuff. Yeah. But the whole fact of the matter is, it didn't even feel like I, I felt like Days of Future Past, Apocalypse had a very similar look, style, feel, uh, especially even even incorporating with uh, Matthew Vaughn's first class. Like, they all had a very mm-hmm. similar feel to them. And then this one just didn't even... It, it didn't even feel like an X-Men movie. Like, they just threw, this, they threw they, it all they, out. They the threw it all out. They threw everything out. And then they, they put all these characters in this movie. And like, oh, yeah, I know who Cyclops is. And I know who Beast is because he's been in some of these other movies before. And then they had uh, Jennifer Lawrence back as uh, Mystique. All right? Right. But... You know, it's like, okay, so I have some very vague familiarity with these characters. And then also, if you're looking at, like, the timeline of all things, uh, I think that first X-Men movie, like, the original X-Men came out in 2000. Uh-huh. I'm, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. And so this one takes place in, like, 92. Right. And James McAvoy is supposed to be playing Professor Xavier. Yeah. Right? And looks... I mean, like, he looks the same now as he did when he was in first class, except without hair. Right. And I'm like, there's no, there's no attempt. There's not even an attempt to age him to look any older than he did in the 60s right uh theoretically and it just it it, there's so many things that just are glaringly horrific where you you know one of the cool things about seeing some of the x-men movies is like some of the aside shots or some of like the 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 things that you see in the wings is like okay hey there's some mutants that we might not see a whole lot of time with but we can see them using their powers or we get to see them doing cool things and like you didn't get any of that yeah and, uh nightcrawler right uh teleporting all over the place in um the the opening scenes of right. x-men to you right and you know it's like you get to see Storm use some of her powers. You get to see Cyclops. You get to see Nightcrawlers in this one, too. Uh, and you get to see a little bit of that. But it, like none of these characters are fleshed out. And the first time that we met them was in Apocalypse, and they didn't do anything to set them up. And then here they have an entire movie about these characters, and we're supposed to care about these people, and we're supposed to have empathy and, and like see their struggle. And I'm like, I don't care about any of these people. And if they all die, then it's no big deal. And yeah, luckily, the character-based series like this—that's yeah. not a good thing. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. And now I'm like, good. Now it's done with. Warner Fox has sold everything to, yeah. to Disney now, and that can, they can all fall under the Marvel banner and let them just start new, whatever they want to do under the MCU. Just reboot them into that or whatever. Just reboot do. the yeah. MCU yeah. with the X Men because, uh, or reboot X Men within the within MCU the because yeah, which that, they could they could definitely do that. They definitely um, could. And although I saw yeah. a thing today, I was waiting in line uh, at the gas station today. And I saw a thing where it was saying that they want, uh, like, they, they've been in talks, or Jason Momoa has, they've, somebody's talked to him and, like, been talking about trying to get him to play Wolverine. And I'm like, no. No. That is the absolute, not a good choice to have him as Wolverine. No. He's he's too big. He's too tall. You need you need a short, Yeah, he's short supposed to be dude. short. That's short short Hugh little Jack- dude. Hugh Jackman mm-hmm. is not short either. And that's. But I feel like they shot character. him short. 
They like tried they, to. They but tried still, to. It's like he, you wouldn't go watching that and go, "Well, Wolverine's so short." Like, no, you need like yeah. a Tom Hardy guy. Yeah, Tom Hardy yeah, is a, is a good height. Yeah. Uh, you know what? I was in the, I was in the comic book store the other day, and they were talking about uh, they were really advocating, and somebody was pushing Daniel Radcliffe to play Wolverine, and I was like, <laughs> "He'd have to work out a lot. Right? He'd have to work out and buff uh, up a little in good bit." Shape but now. It, I, don't yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, who knows? Time on his hands. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I just like X, the X Men thing has fallen off, and like the original two movies, which were I always thought were good, have like fallen in my eyes a little bit. I think yeah. part of it is because Brian Singer seems to be an absolute piece of shit as yeah. a human being, yeah. and um, you know has done some horrendous things. It sounds like, and it's it's the rumors are so much to the point now where it's like, well, there's got to be some kind of like truth to that. But I don't know. I try. I have a hard time separating artists from art. You're yeah. not as much of that as I am. I don't oh yeah. Think, but it's it's very difficult for me. And like it just it doesn't make me like hate those movies now. But it just makes me go. This the whole package of everything together. Other than um, the old man Wolverine movie. What was that? Logan. Was Logan. Other yeah. than Logan. Um, I just can just throw the rest of it away. Right. I really enjoyed Logan. I thought it was great. Yeah, Logan was good. Yeah, Uh, yeah, there's just a lot of things that the X-Men movies... Like, there's there's something... I feel like there's something to take away from all of them. Yeah. Uh, But the only one that I really, really enjoyed was Logan. Yeah. And that was largely just... Hugh Jackman really brought that character into his own. He did, yeah. Um, But, you know, they mishandled Rogue as a character in the original trilogy. Mm -hmm. And just... Uh, you know, at I, a time when she was arguably the most popular X Men at the time, easily, like, just easily, super popular, super popular in the cartoon. How are you gonna like, have How are you gonna have a '90s run X Men and not have Gambit? Yeah, I know. And, and then there was supposed to be a Gambit film, and right. then they didn't have the Gambit film. And then Gambit was in Origins. Was he in Origins? Gambit briefly, was in something. Briefly. He was yeah, in yeah, Origins yeah. for a half second. Yeah, yeah. Yep, it just it all felt, it all fell to shit. They've mismanaged all that, but but hopefully the Marvel Universe can maybe do a little bit better by them. We'll yeah. See what happens. Uh, on that note, I watched Iron Man again for the first time in years because uh, it's borrowed it from you. Because my girlfriend hasn't seen it, or she's seen it, she wanted to rewatch it because she's trying to watch all the Marvel movies right. in order. Right. Fantastic movie. Iron Man still holds up. I Iron still hold up. I think it's the greatest comic book movie ever made. That's my argument. Um, I would argue with that. I would, I would argue would, against you. You would that. say argue against. Well, of course you would, but uh, I just like think it's the most entertaining. It's the most it's like, very entertaining. It's tightly written. It's like a good pace to it. A um, little bit of weakness on the villain, I think, but yeah. um, that's my only gripe about it. But just the whole feeling of like this guy's Iron Man, and wow, what casting! Like if they had not cast. Robert, Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man, would they be here today with all this uh, success they've had? I don't know. I, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. Spoiler alert. Oh, I haven't seen it. Oh, okay. Then I'm not going to say anything. Okay. I'm not going to say anything. Okay. All right. Gotcha. Uh, all right. Joey still hasn't seen. I'm good. I have to go see. I know. Still hasn't I don't seen see anything when it comes out. So I don't know why I'm on a film podcast. I don't watch movies. I don't go to the <laughs> movies. I haven't seen anything. What good are you, Anyway. Man. Um, no, it, it's it's a nostalgic film podcast, you know. Yeah, we, it is. We, right, we go back, we go back a long time. Uh, yeah, but no, I saw Dark Phoenix. Uh, I saw Cat uh, Ballou uh, for the first time. Uh, Lee Marvin won Best Actor for it back in the sixties, and okay. uh, it's one of the uh, like four movies where uh, lead actors won for a western, which it's more of a oh. satire of westerns. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's also got Hanoi Jane, and I'm not exactly the biggest Jane Fonda fan, but right. uh, she's the main character, and it, it, it was a cool send up of you know westerns at the time. Uh, in a lot of ways, I feel I feel like uh, they jumped the shark a little bit there uh, to for the westerns, and that's when you know, like you look at like '65 was when that came out, or mm-hmm. 60, '67, '67 I think is when that came out, and that's also the same time when. Uh, 
uh, for a fistful of dollars came out. Oh yeah. So you're looking at like that that shift mm-hmm. of kind of that campy um, western to more yeah. spaghetti type western. Yeah. Yep. So yeah, but here we're we're not here to talk about westerns today. Yeah, we're, we're here, here to talk about Steven Spielberg. Um, and our you know both of us are huge fans of Jaws. Um, obviously, we would both have Temple of Doom as our number one on this list if we made it legal. I, you would have Temple of Doom. <laughs> you would have Temple of Doom. I would have Raiders of the Lost Ark. I'm a Temple of Doom apologist. I would still have Raiders of the Lost Ark higher than Temple of Doom. But we left out this, the, all the Indiana Jones movies and we left out Jaws uh, because we thought that would be too easy. To we, we've talked about we, them incessantly. We've we talked about them. It's not interesting. Clearly, so. like we, we even talked about it at brush today. Like my number one for Spielberg would... 100% be Raiders of the Lost Ark, and my number two would be Jaws. And I think I would be on the same boat with Yeah. Them. Not yeah. to pardon a pun. Um. <laughs> <laughs> and the light bulb goes off. Ding. Um, <laughs> yeah. So uh, so these are without those movies, so don't be screaming at, why? Could, you didn't pick Jaws. Yeah. If you tuned in late, sorry. It's okay. But um, you won't hear this either, I guess. But uh, So this is our top five. And these are our personal top five lists. Which means not We're not saying these are his, his five right. best films. Right. Those are the five films that we like the best of his. Correct. His, Brian, like I've said it before on this, I either, I either underrate Steven Spielberg or I think that other people overrate Steven Spielberg in general. I feel like... Slightly. I feel like Spielberg and like from Jaws until Saving Private Ryan might have been... I still feel like at this point right now, other than maybe Martin Scorsese, he's our greatest living director. And I don't know that I'm arguing that point. Right. I just think that like for me personally, like Martin Scorsese films, if a Martin Scorsese film's coming out, I get excited. Oh, for sure. If a Steven Spielberg film comes out, I'm like, oh, I'll see what it is. Right. And I feel like it's not so much like you can always tell a Spielberg film. Yeah. From just the beats and kind of the acting that goes on with it. But Spielberg takes on topics uh, that are interesting to me in a lot of respects because a lot of the stuff that he he does is history. Right. And you're a history and, teacher. And I'm a history so teacher. So, yeah. No, I, I, I really, I really, it's it's right there. I mean, I was looking at the list today of just like I, I wrote down all the Spielberg films uh, that weren't Indiana Jones or Jaws. And you could you could teach the history of the 20th century through Steven Spielberg movies. I mean, you're yeah. looking at you're looking at like, you know, or you you could even go from like you could teach American history almost through Steven Spielberg movies. You go back to uh Lincoln with the Civil War, mm-hmm. you got The Color Purple, which is yep. like post-Civil War, so yep. all of those things. I mean, and then like uh I always make the joke too. I'm like I could teach between Steven Spielberg and Tom Hanks, I could teach uh the entirety of US history. Yeah, I because. believe that. Yeah, true. <laughs> Um, yeah, I believe that. Well, Forrest Gump alone. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, and I'm not shitting on Spielberg at all. It's like no, his style no. doesn't excite me as much as his films. Like, I like his films. Yes. His style doesn't light me on fire like Scorsese's style. Scorsese has a very distinctive style. Just punches you in the face. Tarantino has that, that distinctive Tarantino style. Tarantino has that style. Yep. Spielberg's more subtle with his style. I think he tends to be more overall craftsmanship. Than I, th- I think what makes Spielberg films really unique and really interesting is the sense of wonder that yeah. he, he can portray mm-hmm. where it is almost like that childhood innocence where yeah. in not all of his films, mm-hmm. but in a lot of them, you're just like, Whoa. I mean, you just get yeah. blown away by some of the imagery and some of the scenes that he sets up. And it really does take your breath away. And some of those are like, man, that's, that's a really cool vision for mm-hmm. somebody to have that. Yeah. And, and I, the one thing I noticed when I was looking through all his films is like, wow, has any other filmmaker in history had such a wide variety of hits? Like, 
Jurassic Park is so much different than Schindler's List. And they both came out in the same year. Like, yeah, and like the why the, the scope between that to right. have the power to do Schindler's List, but also to do a movie like Jurassic Park. Right. Both quality films in their own ways, mm-hmm. but one is this fantastic masterpiece, and the other is a really incredible action movie that's right. like awesome in science fiction, you know, touches on science fiction, all this stuff. That's such a wide variety of things and, and uh, subjects that he's he's done. So that is impressive, and I think that I like don't give him enough credit for that right. aspect of his career. Right. It's like very amazing that he's been able to have like you know all these like wonderful things like some filmmakers only have their one great film right and he's had at least six six in and they're all different genres and types and right ways of doing them and subjects that are so varied so you're, you're looking at like there's not one thing that you can peg as like oh that's a steven spielberg movie yeah it's it's very much like he's he's across the board. Yeah, like to compare him to Scorsese, it's like well, Scorsese makes organized crime movies, right. and they're great. And yeah. there's some version of that usually not. I mean, there's obviously ex, you know Come other <laughs> yeah right. There's there's outliers, <laughs> but in general, you know him as the guy that you're going to get this awesome gangster film or whatever out of it, and or he's going to go and reinvent the gangster film again. And yeah. Steven Spielberg doesn't go back to his own wheelhouse that much. I don't think no, with stuff. No, I don't, I, I don't know if that's his personal preference or if it's just luck that I, he hasn't had I to do know. that or i don't know what it is what but um he, anyway he, he's very prolific though he is prolific and it's impressive um and you know i guess when you've made that many movies you're gonna have a lot of movies like that aren't as good as the greatest so right. like he's made so many more so i think that i also like don't give him enough credit because i'm like well he made 200 films where scorsese made 40 films right. or something right, I'm, right, right. I'm probably way off on that but like just the the quantity means that there's going to be some that I'm not going to be into. Right. So, uh, speaking of that, a couple of things I want to mention. I tried to watch Lincoln for this. Uh, there's a couple holes in my Spielberg, you know, yeah. repertoire. Yeah, I got I got a, I got some of the earlier films, and then uh, one that I've never seen. I even watched his first student film for this. You watch Amblin? I watched Amblin on on YouTube. What'd you think about it? Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it was like a good use of like a short film. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you haven't seen it, Amblin is what his his production company is, Amblin Entertainment. Right, his right. first movie was Amblin with an apostrophe, yep. which I guess means wandering, right, yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And it's sort of this uh, 60s uh, take on like the counterculture and like what it is to be free. Right. And it's this couple traveling to this beach and blah, blah, blah. Very short. It's easy to watch. Yep. And um, it's, I mean, it's got... It's not perfect. No, but it's, no, it's it's got a point of view to it. Yep, yep. And it says something, and I appreciate that. I think for a first work, it's kind of impressive. So. Have you seen Duel? I have not, but I know enough about Duel okay. to know what it is. All right, it's, it's his first. Uh, it was made for TV. It was I made think, for right? TV, yeah. and then they released it in theaters. Right. Oh, they did. Okay, yeah, they, they, it had a small theatrical run to it. Right, is the guy trying to outrun a sixteen wheeler? It's right? basically it's like, like a duel between a, a semi and a and a car. Yeah, and the the semi has no driver apparently or at least has no seems like it has it no seems driver, like it has yeah, no driver right. you never see the driver of the semi uh but it's it's it really is almost like a chess game between automobiles and it's really cool not the greatest not the most gripping uh especially some tension in it though, but right? it does it's have some like, tension yeah. and it's got some really cool uh the the end scene is, is really cool and uh it's got some got some good effects yeah so i have not seen that uh started watching lincoln love daniel day lewis have never watched it I fell asleep. I got super bored. I'm sorry. That's horrible. You're probably like, 
You no, love no, history, so I, like, I love history. I love the subject matter. Itself, I love the, the subject matter of it, but the I'm movie like, itself is not. You, you really have to like. I, I like it because it does. It really delves into the history, mm-hmm. and I like Tommy Lee Jones is. Um, oh man, the guy that was the leader of the uh, leader of the Radical Republicans in Congress, right. who I can't think of. Well, well, well. I know. Teacher, I know history teacher over here. Historical I can't, figure's I can't name. Get it. I can't get it. Um, It'll come to me in the middle of the like five minutes from now. You just scream it out when you yeah, yeah. remember. <clears throat> but uh, anyway, he uh, he does a great job. Daniel Day Lewis, absolutely. I mean, when I saw Lincoln for the first time, it was everything that I had in my mind about who Abraham Lincoln was. Daniel yeah. Day Lewis. Th- there's no doubt in my mind that Daniel Day Lewis. That is hands down one of the best acting performances. I've ever seen in my life. And he won for that, right? He did, yeah. yeah okay. Yeah, yeah. I figured uh, he did. Yeah, yeah. There was and the, the movie got nominated, right? movie got nominated for Best Picture. Yeah. Uh, I don't remember what it lost to, but... It just drags in the beginning. Drag. And I'm going to try... It's I'm not going to give up. It's and long. it's very long, and that's what I got. It's just, just daunting, and I just fell asleep, and then yep. I didn't try to restart it. Yep. So I tried, dear listeners, to you know, be a completist on this. No, but. no, no. I, there, the, there's a couple... I have not seen... I've not seen The Sugarland Express. I have not was, either. Yeah. Uh, Goldie Hawn, mm-hmm. uh, one of her early films. And then uh, Always, I've never seen that one either. And that's like one of Audrey Hepburn's last movies. It's like Richard Dreyfuss and John Goodman. And there's like some kind of body spirit swap mm-hmm. presence or something. Yeah. I've never seen that. I, I literally... I've never seen that on TV or like even like, you know, you catch like the last 10 yeah, minutes Yeah, it's of not movie. one of his more popular uh, no. properties. Uh, but other than that, I think I've seen everything except for those two. Sugarland Express and Always. So I've, I've seen everything else. Yeah, uh, and I have not seen Sugarland Express either. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, you ready to get into this? Yeah, I'm, I'm ready. Uh, I'll, I'll go. I'll okay. start. Uh, so, number five for me, uh, like I said, we, we've, we've established the fact that uh, these are not necessarily his best five films. They're, it's just my personal preference and personal favorite. Uh, I'm going to go number five with uh, Schindler's List. Schindler's List is going to be my number five. Okay. And um, <clears throat> I was debating back and forth uh, between Schindler's List and Amistad because I really like Amistad. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like Amistad, it's another history movie that I really like. Uh, I like showing it to the kids, too. Great performance uh, by Jaiman Hansu. Hansu, yeah, right? yeah. yeah, great, great stuff. Uh, early, like you see an early bit of that Matthew McConaughey talent as well. McConaughey, McConaughey, that's right, yeah, right. Uh, yeah, I love Matthew McConaughey. I, I, I do too. And like he had non-ironically he had, love Matthew McConaughey. No, seriously. I mean, he had like it was like Amistad, and then he did like a Time to Kill. Uh-huh. And you look at those early Time to Kill is really good Time to Kill is really good. And then you're like, man, this guy was on a path, and then he just got into like rom com hell. He for, did, but then he got True Detective. Oh, True Detective changed the game. Came back in, yes. right back in the yes. critical darling and won his Oscar and all that. For, for good like, men. I mean, yeah. he was fantastic in Dallas Buyers Club. Yeah. Uh, but uh, Schindler's List, I feel like Amistad's a group movie and has some solid performances. Uh, John Quincy Adams is played by Anthony Hopkins and absolutely steals every scene that he's in. Um, but Schindler's List is just way more of a weighted film of importance. I feel like that, yeah. that's that's one of those movies that everybody needs to see at some point. It might not yes. be the best watching movie. It's it's not like you're going to be like, yeah, let's go see Cinder's List. Uh, or, you know, you might want to make out during it like Jerry did uh, in Seinfeld. <laughs> Seinfeld, one of the great Seinfeld <laughs> But uh, You made yeah. out during Schindler's List? But uh, no, I, I feel like Schindler's List is just one of those important films that everybody should see at some point. If nothing else, you get to see one of the true monsters of cinema 
in uh, Ray Fiennes as the. Uh, oh, so we've talked about villains on this podcast yeah. a lot. I'm a big fan of of villainous roles, and it, Ray Fiennes as uh, what's his character's name? Um, as the Nazi, he's the, the, guy the commandant runs, he, guy he, yeah, from, he runs from the, the Nazis in the camp. Um, and he is he is just unbelievable and he's he is it's based on an actual person mm-hmm. and um apparently when they filmed it the um i guess the the schindler jews that were on Amon, set were Amon goeth or goat g-o-e-t g-o-e-t-h yeah g-o-e-t-h um apparently the uh the schindler jews that were on set that came to visit the set right said that he was so much like that character is because they had they had obviously experienced right. the, the cruelty right. of the actual person that they were scared to be around him they didn't wow. want to be around him but that's how that. it affected him that's awesome that affected them um you know as the the you know it's just an amazing role it, and like it, great it, and one of his first acting big acting roles right i think it was like he he did that i think maybe he had done quiz show yeah before or around the same time uh, as, yeah. Okay. As, so I mean, like Schindler's List Ray and Quiz Fines, Show yeah. came out right around the same time, and everybody was like, "Hey, who's this guy?" And then he did English Patient a few years later, mm-hmm. which there's its own fresh hell of English Patient, <laughs> but uh, never-ending English Patient no, um, never stops. Also, I didn't realize that it was one of Liam Neeson's early roles. It like, was, I, yeah. I, yeah, I, yeah. I would, I would, I. It doesn't surprise me that it's an early role, but I didn't realize how early it was. Like he mm-hmm. was a nobody when they cast him right. in that. Yeah, and, and, and I mean he's you take like it for the granted character. that he's been around for so long, and he's you know. I think I think you know Liam Neeson does a great job, but Ben Kingsley, Ben Kingsley, and Liam Neeson play off one another so well. Ben Kingsley, like I, I wonder if he was nominated for supporting actor because he, he was. He is really. Uh, I think that he probably got overshadowed by the, those other two. He but, did. Um, he I know. Is, I know Liam Neeson got nominated and. Ray Fiennes got nominated. Yeah, but I don't think Ben Kingsley. Ben Kingsley was. Uh, was really great in that. The Academy was like, "You've already had yours with Gandhi. Get out of <laughs> yeah, here." <okay>. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, let's see here. Every everyone everyone that in that movie, the down to the small roles are like really great. The yeah. um, everything's very well written and mm-hmm. very fleshed out. The guy that uh, is the uh, the guys the guy that's like the smuggler. He's in the film mostly in the yes. beginning, and then he's kind of goes away. And he, he's the guy that like Poldek, right? I think so. Yes. Yeah, he hides in the sewers mm-hmm. at some mm-hmm. point, and mm-hmm. like he's a really great, and, a, and his performance really affected me. And um, the it's, and and the one scene that I mean, you know, you, you're looking at like there's a few scenes in that movie that just hit you hard. Uh, the scene where they're all like ushered into the showers and. Uh, you know, everybody's freaking out, and then yeah. the water comes out instead of the gas, and you're like, "Oh my god!" You know, like yeah. you're thinking all these people are gonna die. Uh, but the one that definitely gets me every time is uh, in the clearing out of the ghettos, and you see the little girl in the red in the red coat. Yeah, and it's then, one of the times, the, the only times that its color is introduced into the main right. body of the film, and then you see that you see her later being carted off where her body is dead. And yeah. she's being carted off where like clearly that kid didn't make it. Yeah. And mm-hmm. but oh my gosh, what a what a powerful image that that just sticks with me every time I, I see that movie. <clears throat> yeah. And uh, harrowing. It, it, it's it's weird. Like that's not one that you want to watch again and again and again. But about every three or four years, I, I go back. And I was it. thinking about it, though. Like there is this we could do a whole like we should do a top ten top five list of movies of one one 
uh, one watchers or whatever, yeah. whatever yeah, you yeah. call it, where you, I watched it once. I'm glad I watched it. Never want to see it again. Right. Uh, movies like happiness. I don't know if you've ever seen that. Yeah. 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 Happiness um, was definitely one. I saw that in, uh, in a, <laughs> a movie marathon in college. Uh, we did a 24 hour, what we called button umathon. And, uh, it was just a whole day of <laughs> yeah. movies and they, they, you know, we were in the student theater and it was like 12 movies or 10 movies or yeah. something like that. And we watched all of them. Uh, but that was one of them. I remember that. Yeah, that one's harsh. And uh, Requiem for a Dream. Requiem for a Dream. I don't really you know. want to watch that movie again. Yeah. Like, I just don't want to be bummed out by that. But this is in like this different category where it's <laughs> it's horrific, but the the like humanity that is made right. with right that is is um it makes it watchable mm-hmm. and I, and it makes me interested to see it again. Yes, for sure. I, yeah, um, and, and and that's I might one of those pick something else up from it. Yeah, you you, you get know? something new every time you watch yeah. it. Yeah, um, especially because there's so many. They, he doesn't go uh, Spielberg doesn't go heavy on explaining the historical significance of every character and person and things and this and that. He kind of right. just like lets it play out, and then if you want to do your research later, you can. It's almost like that. you're watching a documentary of the events unfold. Yeah, and it's like you're there watching the events unfold yes. in person, which is odd too because it's in black and white, mm-hmm. and you would think that that would disconnect you from it. it but it's still, I think it makes it more real. Yeah, in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. where uh it is almost like you're dreaming mm-hmm. where like this can't be real but it actually happened yeah like all these things actually happen so yeah schindler's list number five not saying that i mean like a lot of people are like oh my god number five but yeah hey you know i, I got i got some personal choices uh in the time saying it's a good movie not great yeah so it's number five yeah it's yeah, like, yeah. It's, it, it, it's trash it's trash it, it doesn't yeah. deserve a top three spot yeah I'm, I'm we don't have that listenership yet but I, hopefully at some point they'll be rabid and ready to people just destroy like, us Fuck so. you brian these guys are terrible joey's never seen anything um so let's move on to my number five it's funny you mentioned this movie earlier uh my number five is actually always Really? 1989 film. Okay. Not many people would put it on their list. Okay. It's not a great film. I'm I've not gonna never say, seen I'm it. not going to say I've it's never a great film. It. Right. But um, I watched it out of curiosity of Spielberg, and I rented it from Blockbuster years and years ago. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was done in 1989, and which I, that would be off the heels of what was he what he had, he just made? Last Crusade. I think he made Last Crusade in 88 or 89 was that in 80 was that yeah it was 88 89 somewhere yeah i guess so yeah and um i think they said what do you want to make next and he much like him and lucas and everybody sometimes they they fall so in love with these movies from the 40s right to this point where sometimes it's annoying Mm because like some of the references it winds up making hokey references in some of their films at times i think and they're too like precious about them this definitely could have been that and it but it isn't um but it's a it's a remake of a movie called uh, a guy named joe from 1943 hmm. and a guy named joe is set in world war ii okay. this is not set in world war ii this is set in uh the present time you know right. late 80s right and instead of uh world war ii fighter pilots um richard dreyfus and john goodman play these um firefighter guys that they're playing operators that they're pilots put out, that, that, that put out fires put out fires with their planes and they have to do these dive bomb right. runs right, to right, like right. release this agent to mm-hmm. put out fires and it's a relatively dangerous the movie posits that it's a relatively dangerous profession i right. assume it probably is in real life too and they're both like hotshot pilots and um you know okay. Dreyfus is a little bit older, you know, right. like he's not old at this point in real life but he's he's pl- plays as an older character right 
and he's with a younger woman, Holly Hunt, played by Holly Hunter. Oh. No, I, need, no, I definitely need to the height it. of her powers too. Yeah, Holly time. Hunter coming off of broadcast news. In yeah, eighties, and so he's this hotshot pilot, raising Arizona. Yeah, well, man, she's so great in raising Arizona, <clears throat> and hasn't worked much since like the like mid nineties. Mid nineties, yeah, just she fell did off. The piano, did yeah. the piano, and uh-huh. then it was kind of like, where, what happened to Holly Hunter? That's a shame. I don't. I wonder if that's her own choice or if she's like got pushed out for know. you know as they do to look up some Holly Hunter actresses sometimes in Hollywood. But yeah, she's great in it. But the the movie is. About you know this guy that's a this kind of reckless pilot, and um, spoiler alert: this is part part of the film is that he early on in the film he he takes a risk to save John Goodman's character and he he doesn't make it. Okay. The rest of the film he is appears as a spirit. Okay. And he's kind of witnessing these events happening with uh, both his best friend played by John Goodman and with Holly Hunter's character. Okay. And like he kind of is. He's sent as a guardian angel for them in a way gotcha. to where he has to help them accomplish something and um, get them somewhere. And okay. the whole movie is about that. Got it. Uh, it's a little schlocky at times. It's a little saccharine <laughs> at times. Right. As something like that probably is going to be. But um, it's worth watching for John Goodman's performance. Okay. I think that we don't give John Goodman enough credit. You don't. Like for years and years, he was just the dude on, on Roseanne. Roseanne. Yeah. You know, and I think that finally the Coen brothers broke him out of that. Uh, by, Even before Roseanne, he was doing He Coen. was, yeah, yeah. but he wasn't known for his right. Coen Brothers right. work. And then finally, like, Roseanne went away and he kept doing Coen Brothers and films. And then people were willing to be like, oh, John Goodman's an actual, yeah. like. I think, oh, brother, where art thou might have been that turning point. Yeah, for him. I think so yeah. too. Yep. And he's just a great actor. He he's great, great actor. in everything he's in. He's great in this HBO show, Treme, which David Simon did. Right. That, I'm really looking forward to the new HBO time. show, Righteous Gemstones, coming out. Yeah, he's uh, plays he's the, like the preacher. Patriarch. That, he plays yeah. the patriarch of the family for, like, a televangelism family. Great, great actor, and he's really good in all ways. And um, yeah, it's not like I said; it's just kind of a little movie. And right. I think it takes some of the bite out of it that the original film was set with these World War II fighting aces. Right. That like that. Obviously, the stakes are a little higher with yeah. that than with this force fighter guys. But I think it was probably a choice to not be um, disrespectful, maybe right. in a way, right. or not be exploitative of, of war. I guess maybe. I got you. But it's worth watching. You should okay. check it out. If you haven't seen it, you should watch it. It's on the shelf yeah. right behind yeah. you. Okay. But, uh, there you go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, fun fact, I own every Steven Spielberg movie. All right, uh, all right. My, in my collection. Humble brag. So, yep, yep. yep. Cool. We well, haven't watched them all. So. I have not watched them all. There are only two. Finally, but, I've seen a movie that you haven't seen. So. That's right. <laughs> that's right. You don't watch shit, though. <laughs> I don't. I don't watch anything. <laughs> I really don't. <laughs> and I just rewatch the stuff I've seen yep. a million times yep. before. Uh, Joy, right. just rewatch the Star Wars for the 500th all time. Right. See, we could have gotten through a whole film without a whole podcast without talking about Star Wars, but there we go. Hey, Brian you, brings it up again. You brought it, so. up. you brought it up. Well, let's talk about Princess Leia in Empire Strikes Back and how it relates to this list. No, we'll, no, we'll, we'll move on. We'll, we'll frame. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Star Wars, though, and sequels, uh, so to speak, not sequels, but uh, words being in a sequel, uh, my number four is going to be uh, Empire of the Sun. Okay, uh, that's that was uh, it. Should have been an honorable mention for me. Okay, all right. Uh, I I think it's a fantastic movie. Uh, once again, teaching uh, you know U.S. history or world history through Steven Spielberg movies. Uh, Christian Bale's first movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, his he's first very film. young in it. Very young child I think actor. I think he's only like yeah. ten or eleven in that movie, uh, and absolutely blows it out of the water. He didn't get a nomination for that. Nope, hmm. didn't get a nomination. And you don't see too many kids and child actors bring that gravitas to 
any kind of role. Yeah. But he absolutely, I mean, like, he kills it. Uh, the basic premise of the movie is that uh, he and his parents are living in China when the Japanese invade China and take over during World War II. And then he basically spends <clears throat> time on his own. He gets separated from his parents when they're being evacuated. And it's this kid, and he just spends time on his own. Uh, he makes friends with uh, John Malkovich, and that's an early role for John Malkovich mm-hmm. uh, when uh, prior to Con Air, which I feel like, was, <laughs> yeah. like catapulted yeah. John Malkovich into superstardom. Um, and then they made a movie with yeah. him in the title role. Yeah. But Malkovich no. is great in it. Oh, oh, Mal- Malkovich, Malkovich but he's, he's so good. This like he's like a smuggler well kind of a, guy kind of a like, yeah kind of a jack of all trades kind of han solo but more on the shitty side than on right. the heroic side right so but he ends up getting up with them and then they end up going to a pow camp and it's just about how he survives through the war and yeah and it's a very little known for for obviously for u.s audiences very little known piece of history of like you don't really yes that occupation of china from japan is not really covered not, much not, for not, us it's really not touched on it. when we talk yeah. about world war ii right. so it's uh, interesting and <clears throat> at times that's maybe one of the reasons on my list at times it's a little daunting because i got disoriented at times right. watching the film like i don't really understand why this is happening or why they're going here i didn't yeah. know that I, you probably got more out of it i got i got more out of it because you know you I, mean, I, I, I have context. taught it i've i've, yeah. I've taken mm-hmm. i took a whole class on the history of modern china yeah uh, and that was like a whole big thing that we talked about and uh, the rape of Nanjing, which if, if you don't know anything about that, I've read some of that. That's oh horrific. my gosh, it's, yeah. it's unbelievable the what the Japanese did to the atrocities Chinese. of yeah. all time. Yeah. And so, yeah, to to see that and then get a, and once again, Steven Spielberg puts you into his movies, mm-hmm. not necessarily yeah. all of them, uh, but you are Christian Bale walking mm-hmm. through that movie. You are you, you are him experiencing those things that he's experiencing, and and you. The, the attention to detail and the set design and everything about that movie is... The sense uh, of abandonment of like, oh God, what if I was separated from my parents at that right. age and how would I ever find them in this giant country that I am not from? Where he doesn't and even speak the language because yeah. his parents were diplomats. He can't even ask, yeah. yeah he, he, ask he, he didn't speak Chinese are. or anything or didn't yeah. speak Japanese because, I mean, he's, he's living on a you know, sectioned off from everybody goes to like a white English school in China. Yeah. And, uh, it's, it's unreal how good Christian Bale is in that movie. Yeah. And the, one of the big themes of the film is, is this privileged person. He's from this oh, rich yeah, he's family. Su- he's super hoity toity privileged person thrown into disadvantaged like conditions. Right. And, having to, having yeah. to fend for himself mm-hmm. and having to, uh, get through everything by himself. So, uh, yeah, Jim. That was Christian Bale's name. Gotcha. Yeah, Jim. So, yeah, I'm gonna go with Empire of the Sun. Uh, one of those, uh, an old girlfriend of mine was actually like, that was like one of her favorite movies, and I'd never seen it. Hmm. And she was like, "Oh, we're gonna watch Empire of the Sun." And then so we watched it, and uh, I was like, "Wow, this is unreal." Yeah, and, and one of those one of those Steven Spielberg movies that you don't hear a lot about um, because it fell in between like ET. And another Indiana Jones movie, and yeah, and it was—it's not either of those films. So no, like if no, you go no. in expecting that, you're not gonna. And that's why I think audiences are probably like, right. "Oh, they, this they, is a great new Steven Spielberg." Adventure. Yeah. Oh, and Steven Spielberg, like, World War Two. We saw how well that worked out with 1941. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> Steven, he, going he, back to that, he got, well. he got it right on the third time. He got it yeah. right on the third try. Saving yeah. Private Ryan. Uh, yes. He, he finally got his World War Two movie that he wanted. Yeah. Um, well, technically, I guess it would have been his fourth one because yeah, because Schindler's, Schindler's List, List would have been Schindler's List is less about the war and right. more about more about the, the Holocaust, the Holocaust. Yeah. Um, so my number four is the 2005 film Munich. Oh, good choice. Also good overlooked. Choice. I feel like it didn't get. It's. I think it. It was. It came out at a time when people wanted more out of Steven Spielberg, right. and it it didn't scratch that itch for them. It. 
it's getting some love in the past couple years. Has it? Yeah, it, like a lot of people are going back and saying, like, especially uh, there's there's a, a three or four scenes in that movie that are just perfectly crafted mm-hmm. from a, from a director standpoint and from a, a blocking standpoint, and he edits them very well and all of that. So you know, Spielberg, I believe, did edit that film. Uh, one of the few that he did edit. Okay, and. Um, so you're looking at like what he's doing there. Munich nominated for best picture. I think it was nominated. It yeah, was, yeah, that's what I thought. I, I didn't do a very good job researching for this episode. I apologize, but um, yeah, it just uh, what would have been what would have been come out. I should have looked up to see what had come out before and after this. Um, in terms of Spielberg, yeah. Um, let's see here. Where are we at on that? Uh, Munich, uh, Lincoln came out after War of the Worlds was right before. Okay, uh, so yeah, kind of falling in between War of the Worlds and, and Lincoln. Yeah, I just think that people expected more of this film, or they expected something different than right. what they got with it, and it's a powerful film. Munich is about basically the forming of the Mossad, the uh, Israeli yeah. uh, CIA, essentially, right. Right. and um, they were formed after the... Uh, 77? 72, I think. Munich. 72 Munich assassinations. Yeah, the, the several Jewish uh, athletes were murdered at the Olympic Games in Munich in 72. I think it was 72. 72, I'm not, yeah. I'm not positive yeah, yeah. on that. Um, and they they were... Tra- it's just a horrific, uh, you know, tragedy. They were murdered. Black um, September. Yeah. Was the, yeah. By the Black September group, right? Which yes. was um, Palestinian? Yes. Mm-hmm. The Palestinian group. And um, the Mossad was formed in the wake of that. And this is sort of the rise of the Mossad because they, uh, they are tasked with... T- getting revenge for this attack. Right. Yeah. Palestinian um, terrorists. Yeah. On, on these Palestinian terrorists who had spread out all over the world. So it's in the years after, after this. And, um, it's a film that's more about, it's about, um, revenge and institutionalized revenge. Right. And, uh, what, what the price of revenge is. Yeah. Um, Eric Bana's character goes through a lot in that movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, personal struggles and, and things like the, that. The whole the whole central crew does because yes. they're they're tasked with this and and they, they believe they're doing the right thing, and then it becomes less clear whether they're doing the right thing or not, right. and they become um, conflicted about it. And also, things arise where they're not quite sure if they were being sent to kill the right people or right. not. Like right. maybe they're being used as political pawns to take out certain correct problematic people or whatever that might have problems with the Israeli government. Right. I don't know. The not necessarily connected to the murders of the right. Israeli athletes. Yeah. yeah the, not, not technically part of what their mission was supposed to be. And so they have these struggles with it. I don't know the historical accuracy of all of it. I'm sure some I'm of it is made a, up. Not, not, I can't imagine that Steven right. Spielberg knew the, the workings of this thing. Cause it's probably highly confidential. Right. But it's sort of his like fantastical telling of it. And they have to do some brutal killings, mm-hmm. and they do, and they're badass at their jobs. This very they're badass. very much like kind of James Bondish characters, and actually Daniel Craig, Daniel Craig, in one a of pre, his pre James Bond movies. Yeah, it's probably post Layer Cake. Um, I think post Layer Cake, Cake was his first pre, like big film, but not in America, not, like right, popular right. in the UK. Uh, and this but, was like his big like American debut, right. probably, maybe. I'm not sure. You we mean it wasn't the made-for-TV Young Indiana Jones that came out in like '96? <laughs> no, well, if you want to count that, I didn't even know he was in that. So. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, <clears throat> but it was like his big, like Daniel Craig before Daniel Craig became right, Bond. Right. So, and I, this is probably the role that led to him. You know, it, it definitely I, added I, I to his resume. I would say like that and Layer Cake kind of, yeah, kind together because together he, he's yep. very, uh, he's got a swagger to him in this, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Um, whole cast is great, and it's just a, you know, it's not Steel Spielberg's best film, but it's entertaining, and oh it, yeah, it affected me in a way that I was like, wow, this is kind of heavy. I don't know if this. You don't know, and the characters don't either, whether they're doing the right thing. Right. And that's some, you know, and then there's, uh, like, I always talk about stakes. The stakes are very high in this because. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's, it is, it's not one you just pop in and watch either. You no. Gotta, you got to be yeah, in the right mindset. Be in the right mood. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Munich, number four. All right. Uh, that's a good choice. That, that should have been an honorable mention for me. I, I, you know, Munich, I had it, I had a star next to it. Yeah. Uh, and it, it's a great movie. It's yeah. just one, I haven't seen it in a long time. And I, I felt like maybe I should have mm-hmm. gone back and rewatched it. But. Uh, like I said, I have read a lot of film. I, I read a lot of film reviews and a lot of film list sites and stuff like that. And it, it's getting some more and more. It's more and more is picking up. You know, this might be like that and Lincoln. And, uh-huh. and Lincoln's not even like I, Lincoln is not Steven Spielberg's movie. That is Daniel Day Lewis's movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. Lincoln just is the guy directing things. But in terms of like a Steven Spielberg movie, Munich, I feel like since. Saving Private Ryan, Munich might be his his best uh, film. And I think he took it very personally that it wasn't that well received. I think I remember reading reviews. Well, I mean, he, he like, put a lot into it, I think. And, yeah. you know, I mean, he's he's Jewish and that has a lot of connection mm-hmm. personally to him. And, uh, you know, he, he he that's why Schindler's List, I mean, he was he had to do something like Jurassic Park after Schindler's List to, yeah. to, to just alleviate what he was, you know, it's like, Hey, let's have this fun popcorn action flick, yep. uh, with, with dinosaurs to get away from the, the heavy aspects of, you know, killing millions of people in the Holocaust. All right. So yeah, good choice. Good choice. Number four for, for Joey there. All right. Number three for me is, uh, is going to be saving private Ryan is going to be my number three. Um, that's also my number three. So okay. we can talk about oh, it perfect. together here. Perfect. Ding, yeah. ding, ding. Yeah. So uh, that's that's gonna be my number three for uh, for me and Joey. And uh, you know, I don't know what we can say that hasn't already been said a million times. We've talked about it several times. We have. On this too. And uh, Saving Private Ryan, the opening half hour of that movie, just absolutely visceral. And I've read a lot, you know, where they, they brought in D-Day survivors and guys that had fought and landed in Normandy and places. And they said that that was the most accurate representation other than being there. Guys couldn't even make it through all the way because they were in tears and, and had to walk out and all that stuff. He showed, he showed that to, to them before he showed it to anybody else. Yeah. And, and I, I believe that there's a sense of trauma uh, as a viewer. Oh, I can imagine having absolutely. gone through it. There's a sense of trauma and the way that the shells go off and the, the it's ringing in your ears mm-hmm. and all this. It, it's a fantastic piece of filmmaking and one of the greatest action sequences of all time. And there's a reason every video game about World War II since then has had, has had a, that, that Normandy same landing moment and done the same way, like yeah. coming off the boat and yep. coming on, you know, getting on, jumping in the water and all that. And it's, yep. I remember playing Call of Duty, like one of the first Call of Duty games when they still were on the computer. Yeah. And, uh, and that was like, the, the, like everybody wanted to play that scene coming off the boat. Yeah, and that's only important from like a pop culture standpoint. That it, this this it's so important that it affected things that we consume. There are yes. not films, right? And it's right. like that's the way it was represented, and we would have never had that. I mean, other than footage from the time, mm-hmm. you would never have that perspective on it otherwise. So no. It's kind of amazing looking at it through yeah. that. I think you take it for granted that like, oh yeah, I know what that was like. The scene that always it, like, the scene that always gets me on that, and when they're they're making the landings. Uh, 
you know, they're, they're crawling up, they're being shot at by the Germans. And, uh, he, you know, Tom Hanks is like, who are you guys? And he's like, uh, you know, something, something with the 101st here to set up field operations. And the guy's got a fucking typewriter in his hand, yeah. you know? Yeah. And, he, and Tom Hanks is like, get that crap out of here. And he's yeah. like, find a gun, find a weapon, something. And I'm sitting there thinking like the, you know, to put that scene in mm-hmm. that movie where like it could have just been straight action gun, but like that right there is what Spielberg does. He makes it personal. Yeah. He connects those things. And the, the other thing is you, you, we take it for granted now because I mean, a lot of people have seen Saving Private Ryan. I don't think I'm spoiling anything here for those of you that haven't seen Saving Private Ryan. Well, spoiler alert spoiler for the next alert. 30 seconds. Spoiler Fast forward if you don't want to know this. The, the whole movie, you think the old guy in the beginning is Tom Hanks. Yeah. At least I did the first time I yeah, saw it. Yeah, I did it. too. Yeah. And then, like, you realize it's Matt Damon. Yeah. When they do the aging and everything, and you're like, oh my gosh. And then. It yeah. just brings it back. Uh, and, and what I love about it, too, is you know, it ends with such a perfect shot of him saluting and the flag waving. In the, and it's like a well-lit flag scene. Yeah. And you, it, it's, it's hard not to feel awesome about being an American when you see something like that. But also just you feel the weight of what these guys went through. And I've I've done a lot of research. I've read a lot of books on World War II, and that movie just it, it, it nails it. It, it, it does. It yeah, that. it's an amazing like document and um, <clears throat> and a great movie too. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just entertaining. Yeah. It's like I I would be remiss not to bring up what I consider the greatest World War II film of all time, The Thin Red Line. Thin Red Line. I know. Bring it up all yep, the time. Yep, yep. Came out in the same year. Same year. Same different year. theater. Pacific Theater. Uh, I will only bring that up to say that once again, watching those two films together, if you have a long weekend that you want to like burn through yeah. like seven hours worth of watching two movies, yeah. <laughs> um, those films work so great together and they're, they're wonderful. Like they should be packaged as a box set together they because should. two different ways of storytelling, two different ways of, of showing historical two things happening at the height of their abilities. Yes. Even though Terrence Malick had taken like 20 years off, but, uh, Right, but using all their skills, all, all their, their tools to tell yep. stories. Yep. So yeah, same with Private Ryan and Thin Red Line together, wonderful like package mm-hmm. of like historical, you know, I don't know. Yep, it's always funny to I, sh- I show it to the kids every year. Uh, I teach high school, and uh, we always watch Saving Private Ryan. And sometimes we get we, I always show the first half hour, yeah, just so they can see the the beach landings. But if we have time and, and you know if we're uh, where we can watch it, then we watch the whole thing. And to see the kid, because that's one of those movies that the kids put the phones down for. You know, yeah. they they actually pay attention to that kind of stuff. And uh, to see when when Upham doesn't go in and save, uh, he's just standing there cowering on the stairs. Yeah. And the the one guy uh, Mellish gets the knife, and you're just yeah. like, oh. and the kids are like, what are you? They're yelling. They're yelling at the TV. You know, so very visceral. Yeah. Reaction. So we talk about on this podcast a lot about. Uh, films being small films or epic films. This is definitely one of the epic of most epic films. I'd say it's probably the most um, epic film that's been made in my lifetime. Yeah, it, it very well may be. Because um, they, they don't make Hollywood epics like they like you know Ten Commandments or yeah. Cleopatra or uh, like those big sword and sandals the, epics. The scale is this, just gigantic yeah, of it. It's, um, it's really big. Which is all the more testament to Spielberg being effective at bringing the viewer into it because you like, you know, Losing Best Picture to Shakespeare in Love, which is a whole other podcast, uh, 
but he did rightfully so win best director. So that's yeah. All right. So that was my number three as well. So we're going to move on to my number two. Yeah, go ahead. Um, Go go, go to your number two. My number two is Jurassic Park. Okay. Um, I saw this, uh, God, was I a freshman in high school? I think when the film came out, 93. Okay. I think I was going into high school, maybe, maybe from eighth grade to high school. Um, just, I love science fiction. Um, I have always liked Michael Crichton works. Okay. I've not read everything he's ever done, but I've liked, you know, his, I, I love Westworld. Right. Um, things like that. And, um, I, it was such an event. It was such a big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, the effects had never been done the way they did the dinosaurs, which they look a little dated now. They still look pretty good. They though. still look good. But at the time it was mind blowing. It oh. was like, wow, this is like, and I love dinosaurs. I think every I think like, every male child at some point has had a fascination with dinosaurs. I think so, and probably most female oh, uh, yeah, too. Sure. So um, and that was that was one of the things I was going to bring up because Jurassic Park is also my number two. Okay, so yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, we're we're on the same page. Okay, here. cool. We'll talk about it at the yeah, same yeah. time. Yeah, the um, it's it's just a fantastic film, and like it's just a great adventure, and um, the casting is awesome. Um, I, one of the best casts ever assembled. Jeff Goldblum is fantastic Amazing. in it, and Amazing. Sam. Neil is awesome in it. Yep, and, Laura Dern. Yeah, Laura, Laura Dern. Dern. And, and that was one of the things. I mean, like you looking at a lot of female friends that I have love yeah. Jurassic Park, and because it doesn't pander, it, it does not. No, and I mean Ellie's the the leader she, she in most is. of the she's, of everything that happens. She's kicking so, ass yeah. in that movie, mm-hmm. and that scene where she's like running through the jungle trying mm-hmm. to get away, and you know, like slams that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, I mean, you feel her terror. You yeah, feel. The fact that like she's being hunted by dinosaurs that are smarter than she is, yeah, and it just uh, unreal. And Samuel Jackson can't can't go without Samuel Jackson. Hold on to your butts, yeah, I mean, like. <laughs> yeah, that's great. <laughs> uh, the guy that plays Muldoon in it is awesome too. Oh yeah, but, I don't know what yeah. he, I never Clever saw him girl. In anything else. Yeah, never saw him. In never did. Else. No. Um, but I think he's dead now. Actually, is he really? Yeah, he died not too maybe not too long after that. Ah, so that I don't know how you know that, but anything. yeah, that's. Um, <laughs> Yeah, this is a great movie, great adventure piece, yep. and like the source material is great. I mean, how awesome to bring dinosaurs back, and what would happen if we brought dinosaurs? And that's back one of those and, things where that that was. I remember talking with my friends about it all the time. Like, dude, they could do that. They could totally do that. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it's like, I was like, where's our freaking Velociraptors, man? It's very like to make a modern reference. It's very Black Mirror esque. Oh, like, absolutely. This is definitely possible. Mm-hmm. Probably will happen at some point. Well, Here's talking, what could happen. They're talking about right now. They got enough DNA from uh, that woolly mammoth that they found out in Siberia. Oh, wow. Yeah. Potentially bring back woolly mammoths right now. Wow. And and that was the biggest thing where, you know, they don't have enough, like what they find in the amount of the DNA, amount of DNA is not oh, enough wow. to clone anything. Yeah. But they found that all that, that, I mean, like that whole woolly mammoth. Yeah. And that's enough DNA to bring back and, and have woolly mammoths again. Crazy. And I'm just sitting here thinking, I'm like, that's, you know, like, where's Jeff Goldblum? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, just because we can, Warner does that mean that we should? should. You know? Yeah. <laughs> This is a good uh, movie. Every time it's on TV, I watch it. Oh, yeah. Jurassic Park. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the one scene I feel is a little dated and doesn't hold up as well as it did, but it still blows me away. And eight, nine-year-old me, I remember I begged my mom to take me to go see Jurassic Park. Yeah. Begged my mom. And it came out, I think, when I was eight. But then that's when movies stayed in theaters for forever. Yeah. And I remember I came home. I was nine. I know I was yeah. nine. It was like 94 when I went to go see it. My mom, I came home from school one day and my mom was like, it's at the Dollar Theater down the street. Do you want to go see Jurassic Park? And I was like, yes, let's go. <laughs> and we went and I loved every second of it. Yeah. And it was just one of those movies where, I mean, like as a nine-year-old kid, you're like, 
Yes, this yeah, is dinosaurs. This is dinosaurs. what I want to see as a forty-one-year-old man. Yes, yes. I want to see dinosaurs. Yeah, so, even yeah. though the last one wasn't all that. I, great. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah, I like the first Jurassic World. Yeah, that was okay, but this last one was not too good. What was the scene you said? It's a little dated. In oh, oh, the scene—the scene that was a little dated is, uh, but it's still—it's still awesome. Is when they full, first pull up on the Brontosaurus, and uh, and you you it pans back and you see that huge. Yeah, uh, and, you know, and yeah, it like, yeah. goes up on its hind legs to grab the, it, the, the, the effects look a little dated. They do, yeah, but it, but it's still, still an amazing scene. Yeah, still, still an breathtaking. Scene. And to see it on the big screen was a big, like, it was oh, an awesome movie to see. Unreal, in the theater. unreal. Like, if we get a chance to see in the theory. Should I, tell me, tell me one scene though. I, I can't think of one off the top of my head where I was more terrified than Lex and Tim in the kitchen in with the, the kitchen with the Velociraptors. I was about to bring that up, oh and my like, gosh, and they're like chittering and stuff, yes, and making yes. this noise, and like that, looking that, around. And yeah, whatever that noise is, and I'm like, oh my god, when she's eating that ice cream and then yeah. sees that velociraptor come through, I'm like, oh my god, yeah. Then, like then they start to open doors, and you're like, where do they stop? Yeah, high <laughs> stakes, and yeah, that's just just a great film. And man, we we can't not bring up John Williams' score for that oh, film. One like, of the best, one really of the best awesome. Ever done. One of the great uses of film, just like especially like when they pull back on that the shot of the, mm-hmm. the brontosaurus, and it just soars. Yes. And it's like, yes. all right, here's the whole Jurassic Park theme in your face, yep. like yep. Jurassic Park right in your grill yep like yeah it's that's awesome yep and and going back to you know ellie is the one that kind of corrals all these immature boys yeah and then lex is the Mm -hmm. hacker yeah tim tim easily could have been the hacker yep and they and at the time you would have thought they would have like right like social norms at the time Mm -hmm. would have dictated that he would have been the one that was in peter's and was the hacker which is what going back to like i got a lot of female friends who love jurassic park and it is because they have strong i mean that whole movie's full of strong like all the females in that movie are strong female characters yeah that any any female any even the dinosaurs are the dinosaurs they're all yeah Yeah. clever girl clever girl (laughs) (laughs) all right so we both had jurassic park as number two hopefully our number ones aren't the same i don't know they're one, not. They're not. Okay. All right. My number one is without doubt. Uh, I love this movie. I've seen it a million times. Not a million, but quite a few times. Uh, Hook. Okay. Hook is my Hook is my number one. Uh, I love the Peter Pan story in general. Uh, I think Peter Pan is one of the coolest stories. Uh, anything to do with Peter Pan, I'm going to watch it. Uh, I love the Johnny Depp Finding Neverland. I like mm-hmm. the live action one that they came out with in like the early 2000s. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, I remember watching. We had it on an old VHS. Uh, the one from the 60s that they did like a live action play, and it was with the woman that played Peter Pan. Yeah. Uh, uh, I can't remember what her name is. Yeah, she's head. she's pretty famous actress. Right. Yeah. But the yeah, sta- she, famous stage actress. Yeah. yeah. And she did it. I love the animated Disney version of Peter Pan. Uh-huh. Um, any of this, like the, I've read Peter Pan, the, the story. Yeah. Uh, the one that I didn't really care for was the pan that came out with Hugh Jackman and uh, Asa Butterfield. Yeah. Which I, wasn't I all that great. That, yeah. uh, but I remember one that had a really cool origin on like sci-fi or TNT or something like that, and they did like a two-episode miniseries uh, showing the origins of. Oh uh, yeah, I vaguely remember that. And, yeah. and I can't remember who was in that specifically. And I don't even remember what the name of it was, but that was a really cool. But anything Peter Pan, I love it. And what a perfect casting choice to put Robin Williams as yeah. a, an older Peter Banning, who who was Peter Pan, uh, uh, and it, like that that sense of childlike wonder, and you know they really sold Neverland, and nobody liked that movie. Nobody, like anybody who was 
talking about film or doing yeah. anything. Like even Roger Ebert was just like garbage. You mean critics didn't like it? Yeah, critics didn't like it. But I anybody, children of that era. Anybody my movie. age? Yeah. Anybody my age loves Hook. This one falls into the Goonies category of me of yes. it doesn't hit my generation. Right, it's right. in that Sandlot era mm-hmm. of yep. like, which I assume they probably came out. They came out around the same era. time. Yeah, that like it just I was a little bit too old for kids stuff right but like not enough of an adult to appreciate like something that was aimed at kids but like had stuff for right. adults in right. it so that's that's where it, where it fell for me so it, i just don't have that appreciation yeah. for it that that scene you want to talk about another great john williams score mm-hmm. all right it has another great john williams score and the scene where peter first remembers how to fly yeah and and oh my gosh like i i'll, I'll put that I'll, I'll bring that up on youtube just like let me let me watch that yeah one, that, that two minute clip inspiring yeah. and uh and then Rufy. Oh, I mean, yeah. it just, I, I could, I could, that, that's one of those movies. If it's on, I'm watching it. Yeah. Hook, uh, shoot. I went totally blank. The guy that plays Captain Hook. Uh, oh, Dustin Hoffman. Dustin Hoffman. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, Dustin Hoffman does a great job. A lot of people knocked him for that. Uh, Bob Hoskins is Shmee. Yeah. Is one of the best yeah. character roles I've seen in a long time. And the, don't try and stop me, Shmee. You know, and he's just like, oh, Captain. You know, and, oh, yeah. Fantastic. Julia Roberts plays Tinkerbell in that too. Tinkerbell. Yeah. And I heard that she was like, one of the th- many things I've heard about, and I've read a lot about the movie is like, I heard she was just an absolute bitch. I heard she was a pain, a pain in, in the, the ass. ass the and Steven, whole time. Steven Spielberg yeah. refused to put her in any, because I think he was thinking about her for uh, another role. Or you know, yeah. like, she had had a lot of buzz. You're looking at like Tinkerbell, like her coming and playing that role in Tinkerbell. She was at the height of her early powers as a yes. star, and took this movie and was like, "I'm doing whatever I want because I'm Julie Roberts." And I think Julie Roberts is traditionally a, a pretty solid person. Like she, you, you don't hear a lot of negative things about Julie Roberts, but that's the one yeah. movie where everybody was just mm-hmm. like, "I just think her and Spielberg had," uh, because I think that she thought that she would have more screen time. Yeah. And he was like, no, this isn't your movie. Yeah. You know? And yeah. so that, that caused a lot of animosity between the two of them. And, uh, yeah. So he, he, he cut off a lot of, cut out a lot of stuff there too for her. But, uh, Hook is my number one. I love that movie. I won't begrudge you to enjoy that movie because yeah. I appreciate. I understand why you like that movie. Yeah. It just doesn't speak to me. In no, that no. Way, and, so. and, and like I said, you're you're older than me, and it just yeah. didn't hit. Like, and and that's how I like you. You brought it up exactly right. That's how you feel about Goonies. Yeah. It's that we need to find a name for that. Yes, that, whatever that is, we'll, we'll, we'll trademark that. And I think it specifically has to do with being just aged out of that thing because it's mm-hmm. like kind of mm-hmm. like I don't know. My girlfriend loves Hook. She was like she's super into it. Like yeah. and like I don't like I don't hate the, I don't hate the film. It's right. fine. Like right. I can't remember a lot about it. I've watched it once. Yeah, didn't love it. It was fine. Um, but yeah, it's a solid choice though. Yeah. Um, yeah, I I I don't know what else. It's I can a say fans about. movie. It's a fans yeah. movie. Yeah. Uh, sure. Also. Fun fact about Hook, uh, I believe it was Gwyneth Paltrow's first movie. Okay. She plays a uh, a young Moira darling. Um, okay, yeah. Who is eventually who Peter marries. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's not the adult actress, but she plays like a 15-year-old version of that character. Okay, and, uh, I didn't know that. There's a scene where... Uh, you know, he comes into the window as Peter Pan and, you know, she's older and she's like, she's like, Peter. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's like her one line in that movie, but that was Gwyneth Paltrow. And uh, very old, very young, but playing an old uh, Dame Maggie Smith. Okay, uh, she yeah. played uh, Wendy. She played yep. the, the, the Wendy character. So, uh, yeah. It, it, the score hits at the right moments where, you know, like the, the, the violins come in at the right part and the horns come in. I mean, it just yeah. it, it kills it, man. It's just absolutely a great movie. Love Hook. 
That's embodiment of that scene is Spielberg's sense of wonder, sort of. It uh, is. It is. And that, I feel like yeah. you got a lot of that with uh, Close Encounters. Yeah. And mm-hmm. uh, it's funny that, like, I feel like Lucas tries for that so hard. He so wants to express that. Yes. And then when he expresses it, it's like, it thud, blah, yeah. like, yeah. not exciting, not fun. Mm-hmm. You know, like, and, but Spielberg nails it like Spielberg that. Spielberg hits it yeah. in more than five occasion. I mean, he hits it. There's at least one scene in every movie I feel like he, he hits that. Yeah, I agree. Uh, well, you ready for my number one? I'm ready. My number one, we've already discussed. My number one is Schindler's List. Okay. Which is odd to put that as like number one because the rewatchability of it is like, you gotta be, yeah. like, I'm, it's gonna be years before I watch it again. Um, it came out uh, when I was in high school and for 20 years, 20 five years or whatever now I've been told to watch it and I had not watched it because I specifically avoid things when people tell me to watch them usually. (laughs) And also I know that it's like a, it's just, I I put up a post on Facebook. I was like, I avoided this movie for 25 years because I knew it would wreck me. And then finally I was homesick and needed to prepare for the show and I watched it and it wrecked me, but in the best way, like it uh, I, I don't know. It's just like elicited such an emotional response from me that like I am, I'm in awe of it. And it was already hyped to me as this yes. thing that is like one of the great achievements of art. Yes. I think that's not uh, hyperbole to say that. No. People, no, it, people it, it, consider it, is, it. It is film as an art. It, it is an art piece. Yeah. And it, and it even is like beyond being a film in a way, it's just an experience mm-hmm. in this way that like is probably I mean, one of the best things about film is when it can be like that. Yep. And just the, I also avoided it cause I'm very picky about period pieces, um, that have to do with true subject matter because right. I cannot stand when it's understand things are made, changes are made for dramatic effect. Right. But when things are done to the point where it's no longer anything about what the original source material was, right. I get right. irritated by it or I get, feel like I've been cheated. Mm-hmm. And I had read some things saying that this wasn't historically accurate and blah, blah, blah. And right. then, but then watching it, the way that he did it, there's no way that it's not historically right. accurate to right. the point where it, obviously I'm sure he changed. He, he combines characters and stuff like that. For sure. But, the pacing of the film is weird. Um, it is. The narrative of the film is choppy. Mm-hmm. Um, they start out at one place and then all of a sudden they get moved somewhere else. Right. And that could have easily been taken out of it. They couldn't, they could have not moved them to this other location. Right. Um, when they leave Poland, I guess they right. leave Poland and go, right. Um, right. They, they, he could have he could have made changes there to would have made the narrative easier to follow right. and um, not challenge the viewers as much and he didn't make those changes so that's what makes me feel in my heart that it's pretty accurate. To I what feel the true story too was. that like the choppiness of that film because a lot of like a lot of people critique that when when reviewing that film. I feel like that in itself lends it to the experience mm-hmm. of like you are going through this journey just like they did. Yeah, and it's disorienting and, at and times. The, the, and uns- the uncertainty. Yeah, you and, don't know. Not knowing what's going on. And, yeah. and it very much is like that, where you have to be an active watcher of that movie. Mm-hmm, that's, one of the, that's not one of those movies where you can just be like, okay, I'm going to put this in and uh, you know be on my cell phone or something like that or be doing other things. No, I mean, like that's one of those movies when you're watching it, you've yeah. got to watch it. Yeah, and characters will disappear, and there's no explanation for where they went. And right. you're like, "Well, did they die? Did they?" And I'm like, "Well, I, I wouldn't know if I was in the situation exactly. either." Exactly. We got we got separated, and we mm-hmm. don't know. We, we don't, don't know. follow. We don't up know what them. happened to those people. Yeah. Um, 
And also the portrayal of Schindler himself. I had read articles that said that it was too kind to him and he was actually blah, blah, blah. Right. But like they, pre- he presents him as an asshole in that film. Oh, very much so. Like even up until the end and even at the end, he agrees. He's like, you know, not, I'm not spoiling anything, but he's like throughout the film, he's like, in the beginning, he's, he doesn't he's say a, and if at some point he's like, yep, I'm an asshole. And he's obsessed and with money. Like, yeah, he's obsessed like with the money. Only, yeah. Like you do see the clear jump from where okay he's he's protecting these jews for his own interests to where yeah. he's protecting them from the holocaust but he doesn't i read about silberg said he wanted to do that gradually so you didn't really right. know at what point he trans right. transitions and you cannot completely tell where no. it is no and i think that's part one of the criticisms is like i think because it's vague in the beginning you don't quite know what his motivations are for yeah. setting up this situation where he can rescue these people you kind of think it's on the sinister side, right. but you don't really know. And I think that's that's the point of view that Spielberg tried to do with it. And I think some people criticized him for not putting a hard line on that, right? You know, and well, I mean, you know, he was a Nazi. Oscar, yeah. Oscar Schindler was a Nazi, and he had that ruthlessness that it took to to mm-hmm. do what he did. But he's a businessman, just like anybody else is a businessman, and. He was like, "Look, these are these are this is a cheap labor force, yeah. that I can take advantage of and make tons of money off of." Yeah, and I think you know that scene there at the end, where I mean, he's he's literally sold everything that he possibly can. He yeah. spent every last dime to his name to try and get these people out of Poland and yeah. get them to Germany, where yeah. they can at least be away from the camps. Yeah, and and that's just where you know you're you're like this guy really is a genuinely good person. Yeah. And it's like, uh, it's fascinating watching the beginning where like, you can just see that his character's cut from a different cloth. He's a Nazi sympathizer or he's yes. a part of the Nazi party, but he plays him like a fiddle in the beginning mm-hmm. to get his way. Yes. And you know, he like, and that, he shows manipulates the inep- them. that shows you the ineptness of, or the ineptitude of the Nazi party in general. Right. Where, you know, they were brainwashed idiots mm-hmm. being controlled by this little piss ant. Okay. Yep. guy and so he knew how to play the system yeah he plays their hubris and yes. like just mm-hmm. just like and those scenes are like fascinating to watch oh. just watching him like wine and dine them and the, like the scene where he snaps his fingers mm-hmm. and the the maitre d or whoever the waiter comes up and i mean he's like he's giving everybody money yeah and that that whole the introduction of oscar schindler in that movie is fantastic and i feel you know yeah. they, they need to like for editing and for pacing and yep. for all that like just to show that how to introduce a character and he doesn't say anything mm-hmm. like he's not he's not you don't know that much about him you're just learning about him through his actions and it's a that's that's why i think it's a very smart movie and yeah. I, lo- I love movies that don't over explain and you don't get like you don't know a whole lot about who this guy is yeah. other than just what you see in the movie and i like that about not not in all movies but i mean i like that in this movie because you know you, you don't want to know much more about him other than what they than what you get and that gives you the opportunity where it's like okay I do want to go research this I do want to go look that up yeah where movies that I go and see and you know like okay I know everything about this now that I've seen this that's that's not fun for me especially as a historian because I love to look stuff up mm-hmm. and, and research and stuff when I get out of movies or whatever but uh, unless Dark Phoenix just shits on your life you know? <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah well I, I just like I was ready to watch it and like I'm glad I watched it and it really That's affected awesome. me and um yeah it's just like this important document of human atrocity but yeah. also compassion um 
both sides of the coin that is you know perhaps more important now than you know in i think a lot of recent times i think it's more important more more important of a film now than when it came out especially since we are losing holocaust survivors and yes by the and the voices of people that deny the holocaust are getting louder yes and uh you know in history history you know as history gets further back things fade and people view it a different way right and it's so important to like remember things and the film does such a great job of that and yep. uh we've already talked about the performances but ray finds is fantastic in it and i really was i was really moved by liam neeson in it too yep. so yep. um kudos and to those everybody just has their ben kingsley uh, once again just he he's so good in that movie too mm-hmm. he is yeah i i kept every time he was on screen it affected me yep and yeah it's just great film like it just when know. it goes when it comes down to history like you look at like okay uh psycho is yeah. hitchcock's you know defining film and uh you know you look at like scorsese scorsese will be known for goodfellas and yeah. quentin tarantino will be known for pulp fiction spielberg will be known for schindler's list more historically so, yeah more so. more so than saving private ryan more so than indiana jones or jaws even yeah uh schindler's list is steven spielberg's defining film mm-hmm and a lot of people, like, in no way would I ever put that in my, uh, you know, it, Sp- Spielberg for me, I, I love Indiana Jones, we, we love Jaws, uh, but Schindler's List definitely has that just emotional weight that you don't get in a lot of movies, even now. Yeah. Or, or oh, yeah. in 40, 50 years ago. Yeah, uh, it's, it's... It takes it takes you on that emotional path. And like you said several times, it's just that weight of emotion that really resonates. It's his masterpiece for sure. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think it is his masterpiece above all else. And, um, I don't know. I mean, it's one of the greatest films ever made easily, you know, easily. And, uh, I don't know. Just a great, if you haven't seen it like me and you waited forever to watch it, go watch, watch, get yourself in a place where you can emotionally handle it and watch it. You will, you will be rewarded for that. Um, that's a great when the sun goes down Sunday night movie yeah true I would agree with that yep yep and it's on Netflix right now so you can watch it on Netflix if you have Netflix you can see it so so that's my number one and um yeah I guess we'll wrap it up with that and um Brian you got anything else you want to you know I'm I'm looking forward I got I got summer off so I got some movies that I want to pile through cool and uh I will definitely be bringing that to the to the table yeah, uh, since Joey doesn't watch shit. And, yeah, uh, you know, just regale regale to me what these movies are. Yep. What I'll, are these I'll, moving I'll pictures? Spend, spend uh, you know hours talking to you about you know whatever bullshit I'm watching because <laughs> I, I will I will watch anything at least once. <laughs> this is true. Uh, you can find me online pretty much everywhere at djt panda all one word at djt panda and brian where they can, where can they find you uh you can find me on bfg wilmington trivia uh for my trivia if you guys are ever in wilmington and want to come check out the best trivia in town yeah at hell's kitchen uh downtown wilmington north carolina officially the best officially the yeah. best trivia in town that's right and uh bfg wilmington trivia or uh nofelix.com no felix is uh my oscar blog website so cool well uh thanks for listening and uh as always you're going to need a bigger boat we'll see you next time yeah we out